City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What it do, Liquor Mark? I'm doing pretty well, man. So last week, listeners, Tim and I recorded an episode uh, that we both deemed not to be up to our standard. So we didn't release an episode last week. That episode will be deleted. Um, and you can look for the uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall themed episode sometime in the future uh, but we're back this week with an exciting season preview we're going to go through all the players and go through statistics that we think are relevant for each of the players on the charlotte hornets yep mark we uh it was really the first time in the history of the podcast this would be our third season and uh as soon as the podcast ended we kind of looked at each other and said that was really bad huh? <laughs> and, yeah, we tried to lie to ourselves for a little bit, but yep, it was uh, it was terrible. And uh, instead, we took the Mamba mentality, like Kobe, when he used to randomly lose to the Grizzlies in January, he would randomly have cameras there as he would get up shots after the game. That was us. So we got to be better. And so uh, when we start grilling players later in the season, we hold ourselves accountable as well. Yeah, it's not just the players that we hold accountable. It's ourselves. Uh, I was not satisfied with my performance on uh, last last Tuesday, so we we didn't drop that episode. Uh, but we're gonna we're actually gonna redo it. We think we know how to how to structure it a little bit better, so you can look for that <laughs> sometime in the near future. Um, but let's get started with today's episode. So we're gonna go through again every player on the roster and talk about a stat that we think is interesting to watch for that player this season. Uh, so we'll start off with Lamelo Ball. And Tim, you know, you could go with points per game for LaMelo. That, that might be the most interesting stat to follow for this next season. You could go with assists. Is he going to is he going to average a double-double? Or is that three-point percentage going to stay as high as it was last season? But Tim, what I want to know with LaMelo is his usage rate. All right, I sound like a nerd. This is my nerdiest one for sure out of any of the players. But with Lamelo coming into his third season, a new head coach. I think it's kind of going to be his show. Usage rate is basically how much of the offense runs through that player while they're on the court. So if there are five players on the court, an average usage rate is 20%, right? 20% per player would be every player contributing to the offense equally. Uh, Lamelo last year had an usage rate of 28%, which was pretty high. Uh, league-wide it was 18th in the league according to stat muse uh, of players that averaged uh, 2,000 minutes per 82 games and what I want to know Tim is can he break into the top five this season I'm not even sure if that would be a good thing so to give to give people like examples 
Um, James Harden, MVP year, right? Like really high usage rate. Luka Doncic last year led the league in usage rate. It's basically when the offense is running through you. Um, and I think his usage rate is going to be up from last year. It was already pretty high last year. Um, but I think with a, with a new coach, the system is going to be even more designed towards LaMelo. And I think he might crack into that top five, Tim. What do you think? Yeah, I think Steve Clifford, you know, he he loved, you know, Kemba and loved to run a lot of the offense through him, very pick and roll heavy. Um, it's kind of a weird analogy, but I almost think about it like, you know, a band. Band comes out, first album, killer, very exciting. Second album, normally a little disappointing. And then third album, they really take off. And I feel like for star players, a lot of them go through the initial growing pains and then they have like the very high, heavy usage season, like uh, Trey Young's second season. Mm-hmm. He was around like, you know, I think like 37%, almost like the Westbrook range. But then around like season six, season seven, they kind of wind down. They share the ball a little more. It's not even sharing the ball. It's just like a, a heliocentric offense. Normally, if a team is built around one player, they have like an overload, almost like Luka Doncic, what he's done the last two years. Right, And I feel like great players have the really high usage. And then as the team gets better around them, the truly great players learn to play off ball as LaMelo has already done. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have LaMelo have one of those years where he's 35%. Right. That's And that's kind of what I expect. Like, 35% sounds mad high. And I want to see him thrive in that role where where – it is, you know, heliocentric. The world revolves around him. Uh, the team, the team revolves around him this season, and that's what I'm. Re- that's what I'm be looking at. The most interested in uh, other players who are in the top five this past season are Joel Embiid. I already said Luca, uh, Trey Young, Giannis, and Donovan Mitchell was fifth. Surprisingly, actually, kind of kind of makes sense. The Jazz offense ran through him a lot, um, so Lamelo has to be as involved as one of those five players to make it in the top five it's not necessarily a good thing james harden had probably too high of a usage rate in houston right like they needed other players to be doing things offensively to thrive in the playoffs but like you said like great players have that season where they're it it's just like their show yeah and it's it's just a sign of like you are a true offensive centerpiece and that is obviously like the most important thing in the nba um, you know, Drew Holiday, great player, never going to have a 35% usage rate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what was your stat? Yeah. So my stat was, uh, I have, I kind of have two for LaMelo. And one of them is in correlation with Steve Clifford. Um, you know, uh, triple doubles, a very juicy stat. And uh, I think that Russell Westbrook, in retrospect, kind of harmed the validity of them, but uh, I think they are important. But you look at LaMelo, he had five triple-doubles last season. He had four other games where he was either one assist shy or one rebound shy. But we also had the six highest pace in the league. Steve Clifford has had one season in the last seven where he was in the top half of the league in pace. So obviously less possessions, less stats, it builds up, but most interesting for LaMelo is a three-point shooting, which I think is just something that his jumper looks so ugly and people don't know how great of a three-point shooter he was. So he shot 29% from three in January. Outside of that, 
he shot 36% in one month. And other than that, over 40% every other month of the season. Yeah. So I think he, he went through. Yeah. I mean, like 40% is, it's no joke. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, 36 is very good, but when you're above 40, you're in an elite category. And I mean, with the free throw percentage around 87% and I think 79% his rookie year, I think the shooting is real. And I'm just curious to see like almost with the heliocentric idea, is he able to maintain that efficiency? Mm. Yeah, I actually, I'm skeptical of that, uh, perhaps because of the reasons that you said, like his jump shot doesn't look great. It's it's hard to trust, right? Like last year, at some point, I just began trusting it. But somehow, you know, the whole offseason, I'm like, oh, is he going to be good at shooting still? <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Um, yeah, like maybe it was just a lucky 120 games. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'm interested also to see. I mean, we've we've mentioned this before. Is he able to score in the paint? Uh, because you know, last year he did not shoot very well when he got to the rim or at all from two point range. So that's like the biggest area for him to actually improve on, other than doing more offensively, right? Um, so that'll be interesting to see as well. Well, I mean, you know, luckily our team. And, you know, Mitch Kupchak, they've done a lot to help him out, right? We got a bunch of floor spacing big men, some rim runners. No. Oh, no, we still have Mason Plumley. Oh, yeah, not really helping our guys' chances. All right, next up in the starting lineup is uh, Terry Rozier. And, Tim, if you look at Terry Rozier's time in Charlotte, he's been incredibly consistent. He averaged 18 points per game in his first season, then 20, and then 19 last year. He shot 40% from three his first season, then 39%, then 37.5%. And, I mean, a constant theme with this roster is going to be with Miles Bridges missing from the team, there's some scoring that's needed from other players, including LaMelo. Um, And also, I think, from Terry. So I'm actually going to go pretty basic here. I'm just going to say, can he get a career high in points per game this year? I, I think it's possible. I think the, you know, the shots will be there for him. I don't care if he gets assist him. I want him playing as little as point guard of point guard as possible, but can he get buckets? Can he hit catch and shoot three pointers as highly as he has in the past few seasons, or maybe even better. And can he handle the scoring load? Yeah, I'll be interested with that. Terry's one of those guys. Yeah. Where I agree, where I'm like, he's the one guy where if he makes a very easy, like, pass to the open guy i'm almost like oh, terry man you to jack that i only want terry to shoot i gotta right. be like i i know it's counterintuitive to an actual productive thing and uh yeah so we're talking about efficiency a little bit here um it's my staff terry in uh our wins last year which he was involved in i believe 38 mm. of them because he missed a couple games uh his true shooting percentage was 64 percent which league average is now about 57%. So, I mean, he's he's scorched on there. He's closer to Steph Curry than league average at that point. But in losses, just 49% true shooting, which is closer to Michael Carter-Williams. Mm. And that's a pretty large sample size. It's not like we were 62 and 20. Like, so there was, you know, it was almost a 50-50 split in there. And I don't think that the reason we lost those games was because Terry just ran cold. I mean, like, you know, one player, unless you're LeBron James, does not decide 
that much of the game. But uh, I think it'll be pretty interesting. In a season where I think we will be losing more games than last year, potentially, um, I'll be very interested to see what Terry does when we're down 15 points at the end of the third quarter. If he's like, yeah, maybe I can spare, you know, some efficiency and just check up these two threes. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting stat in terms of like what goes into it. Is it just that Terry is worse when we lose because, you know, Terry's that integral to our offense? Or is it like Terry just checks out when we're losing? It could it could be a combination of both, right? That probably is because it's yeah. a pretty big disparity. And that's, yeah, that's the coolest thing about these stats now where like we have enough to – you can make claims about players, but we still don't have, you know, like enough, like there's not like a microchip in all these players where you can tell like, yeah, he's kind of checked out. Ah, he's in a bad mood. Ah, right. He's a little pissed off with the coach. So yeah, it's like reading between the lines here. That's, that's what I find the most interesting part of, you know, these advanced stats, even though true shooting percentage is pretty basic. Yeah. I, I also found that like with the more veteran players doing this exercise was not as interesting. Um, I just think, you know, it's Terry's kind of on pace for a great season. Like, he's been very consistent, but like, he has more to show this season, I think, than in the past three years. Like, he's kind of clearly the second best player on this team. Um, You know, I I think that's, I think that's not even really debatable. So, uh, it's, it's up to him to, to be able to show it, uh, in the backcourt with Lamelo. So I'm not I'm not much of a gambling man here, Mark. But let's say that we gave, what is it like? Let's say minus one fifty odds. Would you say Terry, Terry has is a career high in scoring? At minus one fifty. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming I like you know yeah, even like that's odds. a pretty big favorite. That's a pretty big favorite. Oh, so minus one fifty plus one fifty plus one fifty would be I'd take it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, he'd have to eclipse twenty something. He would, yeah. He'd have to get over, uh, yeah. He'd have to get it like over like twenty one point three, I believe. I don't think he ever averaged twenty one. I think it's only twenty something. Is it? Maybe it's twenty point three. Yeah. Okay. Twenty point. Either way. Yep. Yep. Um. Cool. All right. Next up is Gordon Hayward and Tim. I have a feeling we have the same stat here. I think we've said it every year on the podcast. Unfortunately, it's. Can get Gordon Hayward get to 60 games. If he can, then it means it was a su- successful year for Gordy. If he plays, you know, however many he's played the past two years, 48, 49, then it wasn't as successful. Um, Tim, what you got? Um, I had, yeah, the fact that he played 44 and 49 games respectively. Um, and then really his last season in Boston, uh, I, I assume that that would be, you know, around like, you know, the 40s. Well, but it was it was like 65 games. Mm. So, it's, yeah, so it was it's possible. It was not as low. Yeah. And he also he had COVID injuries. The big concern with Gordy, at least like what happened with last year, it's like, you know, when he has any lower extremity injury, it kind of compounds on itself. Mm. And I don't blame Clay Thompson had a great uh, quote this season where he's like, I haven't played pickup ball since I tore my ACL. Like, it's like a mental block. And I think that is a very important thing with these athletes. Like, it's very scary to go out there. Like, if you ever tore your ACL on a court, you'd probably be a little hesitant to go back to the doubt. Right. You know, like, if that's where you tore it. So I don't blame these guys. I think a lot of it is mental. Uh, you know, obviously a big big part of it's physical. But, uh, 
Yeah, so I'm just looking for Gordy to be healthy. He also had some COVID stuff as well that kept him out a couple of games. So, I mean, he'd be around 50 games the last two years without that. All right, Tim, can I, I go into a random story here? Oh, please. <laughs> All right, dude. So I went mountain biking for the first time in like three months today, and I wiped out twice. And like pretty hard wipeouts. I have like scrapes. And uh, after each wipeout, I noticed like for like the next five minutes, like subconsciously, I was just going slower and I had to like get over that to go like back to like real mountain biking. Uh, And then I wiped out again, like the same exact process happened. So I, I completely related to that. What you were saying about Gordon Hayward struggling to get back from injury. There's definitely going to be some sort of mental block there. And it's just hard to get into a rhythm. If you're, if you're wiping out every two seconds or if you're getting injured every other game. I got to be honest, Stola, it's a little honesty corner here. I, I didn't tear my Achilles, but I did. I cut my Achilles open on mm. a bike when I was in seventh grade. I've never ridden a bike since. <laughs> I have a stationary in my house. I ride that all the time. Get my miles in. I have not got on a normal bicycle ever since I tore my Achilles. Yeah, I'm done. I, I'm never going back. <laughs> I uh, I have like a dislocated finger and like it's like still messed up from it, but I love it. Uh, everybody, catch me at the Whitewater Center on Tuesdays and <laughs> Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I I was thinking about it, though. If you were to stay healthy for a full 82 games, team makes the playoffs, right? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, really, this is this is my question. How much you like? What would the odds have to be that you would take Gordon to be our second leading scorer? Like in total points? <laughs> no, just yeah, like in oh, average per game. Oh, they wouldn't have to be that high. I would. I would. Really? I mean, I think he's the third most likely, like third highest on the points per game list. Yeah, like, assuming yeah, a relative like a Terry Rozier bad year and like Gordon Hayward good year. Okay, yeah, I guess when you put it like that, not not unreasonable. I guess I was I was too down, too down on our guy. He did have an a bad year last season, but I mean, like we we're talking about, he, he just fell off the bike too many times. It's hard to get into a rhythm. That's very, that's a that's a positive outlook. That's where we're going in with this whole season. We all fell off a bike once or twice. Hornets and heartwarm. All right, PJ <laughs> Washington, uh, in a contract year for PJ with no Miles Bridges, the burden of that is perhaps heaviest on him. Uh, considering that they both basically play the same position. Uh, PJ's demonstrated good three-point shooting, but Tim, when he starts to dribble, that's when he starts to get into a little bit of trouble. Um, And I went to NBA.com, did a little research. PJ shot 46.8% from the field last year. Very good, better than Dennis Smith Jr., who we'll get to later. Uh, It's a low bar. (laughs) Yeah. Better than Dennis Smith Jr.'s career best year. Uh, he <laughs> shot 30% on pull-ups, though, Tim. 30% on pull-ups is not what you want. Granted, it was low frequency, but for him to take the next step, and he slimmed down this offseason. You know, he's lost some weight. He's he's coming in confident. He's been, had a lot of good reports, you know, from all the coaches. All, all things about P.J. have been good so far, but he needs to be comfortable creating his own shot and doing it efficiently for him to take the next step. Otherwise, he's just going to be like a three and D wing, which is not a bad thing. But that's we, the team needs more than that from him. Yeah, and if he was actually a three and D wing, I think that right. would be better. But I right. really think, yeah, he's almost a power forward. I'm stealing this from Zach Lowe. I heard this for the first time. I don't know if he took it from someone. Uh, 
you know, like there's the three and D. Mm-hmm. Called it the three D and D, whereas you know three point defense dribble. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like it's so simple, but I was like, that just that is a very big difference right. between there's Danny Green three and D, OG Ananobi three D and D, and that's what's like holding Mikel Bridges back. That was the reason that Miles Bridges made the jump last year. Is like the dribble. Right. Um, for PJ Washington, I have a. Uh, I have a stats with uh, starting versus coming off the bench. And it's a 28 game starting, 37 as a reserve. But the minutes are about the same. It's 894 for starting, 874 for off the bench. But he was a, he was plus 0.07 when coming off the bench, plus 7.1 when playing with starters primarily. And it wasn't a crazy jump in true shooting percentage from, you know, 570 to 6. Uh, so, you know, not not too far off the bat. His, uh, his usage went down, but his assist went up. And I think that there is something about... I've, I've long claimed that PJ is going to be the guy in, like, year 7. He's, he'll turn into, like, a supercharged PJ Tucker. And I don't think it's just because like they, they have the same, you know, first name. I just think that he's a guy that on a winning team, he'll be awesome. Like, I just think that any any team, if you inst- inserted him into, like, a contender starting lineup, he would play. And I think that he just needs to be around better players. It doesn't help if Terry Rozier is his point guard. But if you have someone that can actually set him up and he can space the floor, I think he's fantastic. I think he could be very good on defense, as he's already shown. He has the three. And his passing really went through the roof the last 20 games of last season. Yeah. multiple career highs yeah so I'm, I'm excited for that and i think that we should maybe consider him in the starting lineup so this is interesting because it just got me thinking about both of our stats basically we're saying i was saying pj to make the next step like needs to get better at dribbling needs to get better at shooting off the dribble but like maybe that's just like not really gonna happen and he should only be playing like that like fourth scoring option role. The problem is, is that the Hornets need him to do more than that. And that's where you start to get in trouble with PJ is when you ask him to do more than that. Um, But I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe he's going to come back and and be a completely different player. But I think if you just like plug PJ Washington from last year into this season, and I think that's, that's going to be an issue because like he just shouldn't be handling the ball all that much. Like he needs to get better at it, but it shouldn't be like PJ Washington's usage rate should not be up at like 25, you know, like, like that's too hot. Yeah. You want to load. No, no one's ever like Danny Avdia, man. We just, we just need a couple pick and rolls from him. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is like, he's a setup guy, you know, he knocks it down. Yeah. So we just need him to do that. And I'll be interested to see how Clifford does it. I saw that uh, Clifford brought in uh, Marvin Williams is part of like, you know, the practice, uh, practice squad, like, you know, bench coaching. And to me, I'm just like, wow, if PJ Washington can just turn into what Marvin Williams was, which I think he's actually pretty close. I think right. they're like, you know, not exactly a facsimile, but not too far off. And it's like, if he can just contribute that, I think that that's perfect. And, you know, you talk about, oh, well, he needs to do more. Well, sadly, we drafted James Booknight and we missed on that, at least so far. We've missed on a couple first round picks lately. Uh, 
And there's nothing that really PJ can do about that. So if these guys take a step forward, I'm very interested to see, because I think he's the most moldable part of any lineup we have. Yeah, I think he has the most approved this season, too. I'll throw that out there. Um, like Lamelo, you know, if he were to come in and average only like like the same stats he did last year, that would still be good. PJ PJ has a lot to prove this year. It's a contract year, et cetera. So we'll, I'm, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I gotta say, I I love the you know, uh, I think it was our own uh, Skyler Callahan that uh, runs the All Hornets Network. Um, he asked PJ, he's like, oh man, what are your thoughts on the you know contract season? PJ's like. Oh man, it's just another season, you know. It's got to go out there. You know, I'm not worried about the money. Well, uh, like, you're not really worried about a thirty million dollar difference. <laughs> I respect the answer, but if I was like, if I had three bad days in a row at work and it cost me thirty million dollars, I'd be thinking about that every single night of my life. <laughs> Facts. All right, let's move on. We're we're going too slowly through these players. So Mason Plumley, uh, it's the free throw percentage for me. This one's going to be quick. He was uh, averaging 55% on his career on free throws and shot 39% last season, a career low, almost a record. Uh, If he had made his career average for last season, guess how many more points he would have scored, Tim? Um, For his points per game or total? Total. Total, I will say he would have scored an extra 110 points. And only 28 more points. I did this yes. math, like, expecting it to be like, ah, oh, the Hornets would have, like, won the finals if Mason Plumley <laughs> if Mason Plumley had averaged his career average. But no, it's only 28 more points. So maybe it doesn't yes, matter at all. But it's so depressing when he, when he breaks, like, two, you know, just, like, all of his free throws. It's, it's bad. Um, he also had a career low in points per game last season, a complete nothing offensively last season needs to get more involved on that end, or he won't be starting for long. That's my, that's my take. I wish that that was the case and he wouldn't be starting for long. I think he could shoot 12% from the free throw line and Steve Clifford would be like, Oh, that guy cares. He's gritty. He's focused on defense. He doesn't care about flashy plays like free throws. Um, <laughs> I wish that would be the case. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to the line about, two and a half times a game yeah maybe and that's with the hack of Plumley that came on did you see the video of him shooting threes with his left hand yeah and of course people were like gassing that up it's like listen we we got to get it out there that when there's a clip of players in practice that does not translate to the game at all Ben Simmons made nine three-pointers in a row let's just throw that out there Mason Plumley making three-pointers with his left hand does not matter that's uh Mark, this this all the whole reason this podcast started is so we could have the discussion about you starting with the 2017 Warriors. <laughs> and I just watched that and I was like, Mason Plumley would destroy Mark in a shooting competition in the close gym. That's <laughs> yeah, a fact. It's a fact. I'm not <laughs> with his left hand and everything. I would <laughs> shooting shooting 50% on a open jump shot is not the same <laughs> in the NBA. <laughs> Let's get it out. Not yet. Uh, we'll yes. that. Um, my stat was that his his highest field goal attempts of the game were in the first game of the season against the Cavs. Game one. He had 11, 11 field goal attempts. And uh, from there, he just kind of went downhill, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, just pretty much he's an absolute zero on offense. And it's so hard 
to function as an NBA team. You know, centers are getting like phased out somewhat, but skilled centers are not, or defensive studs are not. That's why, you know, he's never going to be Rudy Gobert. But there are guys like Clint Capello, like Onyeko Kongwu, both in the Hawks. They have value because their defense, Mason Plumlee provides nothing. Yeah, I mean, people will say that he plays good defense. (sighs) Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, I think, it's tough. Yeah, I, I have a I have a theory that I'm you know I'll I'll crunch the numbers on this I'll get with some MIT professors but uh I really just think that players that are as bad on offense as Mason Plumley you just get a bump and people are like oh well he must be re- he's doing something on defense no he sucks at both this yeah, is a good theory just, this is a good yeah. theory I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you the NFL's opening week was action packed and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just five dollars on any football game and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see show notes for details. Recently, uh, us at Hornets and Heartbreak have not been releasing episodes too frequently, but I've still been listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network. And what have I been using to listen to it? The Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips and perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, Raycon's give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally am a big fan of the earbud tap functions where you can just tap once to pause or play, tap twice to skip or to go to the next song, and three times to raise the audio volume. Also, their noise isolation is excellent if you're ever in a noisy area you will not hear that noise when you're listening with Raycon earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. Kelly Oubre Jr., all right? We've said these stats in some capacity before on the podcast at least seven times, but maybe people weren't listening to us back then. Through January, so from October to January, the end of January, 16.7 points per game, 37% from three, six man of the year. Uh, Rest of the season, 12.5 points per game, 30% from three. That's Kelly Oubre's season last year just summarized in statistics. Yeah, I would. That honestly sounds generous. The last half of the season, I was like, man, I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, I was better than I realized. I have a, he has 58 games with one or less assist. <laughs> he has 29 games with zero. And he has 33 games where he shot below 40% from the field. 
the most hot and cold player. I mean, in history, I wish we had a way to quantify it. I've heard people actually say that he, I mean, he is like the most just variable shooter. Like he's either hot and scoring 38 on the Pistons or he's doing what you're saying with all the low assists and low shooting from three. It really just was that break. I mean, after January 31st, 30th, 31st, uh, he, uh, he just was cold the rest of the year and all Hornets fans began to turn cold on Kelly uh, after that. Yeah. There's a, there's a great study by uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tzetsky, um, the hot hand theory that, you know, everyone's done it. You're like, you hit three shots in a row and you're like, man, like I'm definitely knocking down this fourth one. And they, they, disproved it for a while but then it turns out it was faulty data and now it's actually come back around in around 2019 there was a study shown where now as players gotten better shot selection got a little better there is actually somewhat of a correlation between you like with a hot hand and actually they studied kelly Oubre and they decided to throw all the data away said (laughs) steph curry doesn't matter jamal crawford doesn't matter no it was all a lie Yeah, Ke- Kelly Oubre actually has proven the hot hand theory by himself. <laughs> uh, the hot slash cold hand theory. I mean, it's just which Kelly are we going to get? Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not out on Kelly Oubre Jr., but can we can we get the Kelly Oubre Jr. that's uh, before January? That's that's what I would. Want. Would you rather have Kelly Oubre who just shot 44% every game? And like didn't have the hot and cold streaks, or would you rather go through the valleys to get the peaks? I'd rather get the four the like the average of Kelly, which would be, if I'm doing some mental math here, 14.6 points per game and 34% from three. That sounds like Cody Martin. <laughs> <laughs> 14 points a game. Oh my god. Uh, I, I got don't know. 40 million. <laughs> I just I just had to make that joke. All right. Uh, <laughs> Cody Martin's up next. For him, uh, I have – we got to track the number of dribbles that Cody has this season. In mm. For the team to be successful, we need to cut down on the Cody dribbles. Um, everything else he does is great, but but less, less Cody in isolation. That's what I'm going for. I like that. I had something where uh, – you know they always talk about great shooters. They're like – he could be Kyle Korver. He could be of 21 and he's still going to shoot again. Yeah. Cody Martin is, that's not the case. The worst he, uh, you know, when he went, he went 0-4 from three in one game and he was like, I'm good. I'm not shooting again. Mm-hmm. He never went 0-5, never 0-6, never one for seven. It was just 0-4, cut off. <laughs> he doesn't have confidence. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Or, or, or it would be a good game. Um, but yeah, that's true. He never had a Kelly game. He never had a one for 12. No, which, you know, honestly, I respect. That's like a classic role player. That's like an old school, like late 70s. Like he knows where his bread is buttered and he does the right thing. Right. Sometimes I, I wish that he would get up seven in a game. Like, you know, Mark is smart. He's in the finals. He's throwing shots off the backboard. And he's like, nah, Jason Tatum, let me get this ISO against Draymond Green. Yeah. I kind of wish that he had some of that just irrational confidence in him. He just got paid. Um, he has been successful for the Hornets. He actually had a pretty similar-ish trend to uh, Kelly Oubre last year where he did really well the first half of the season and then cooled off the second half of the season. But it was less noticeable because he just doesn't shoot as much and he's not as involved in offense. 
Um, and I, I just struggled to come up with something. So I just threw out a joke. That was pretty much a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, next up on the list is Jalen McDaniels. And for him, I have just general aggressiveness on offense and defense. His blocks per game last year were 0.2 blocks per game, which is not great for somebody with his size. And also only had one game with more than four free throws attempted. You know, there's going to be, there's opportunity for somebody on this team to take a step, right? Lamella, we expect. Some of the starters, we expect. But somebody else has got to do it. And like, why not Jalen McDaniels? Why can't he take the next step forward? Be more aggressive on both ends of the court. Because, you know, he's got he's got to do more than he's been doing. He's been like nice, efficient uh, role player. But it's got to it's got to be a little bit more from somebody with that size and his athleticism. Yeah, I agree. And I would just uh, my stat for Jalen is can you get a defensive rebound without drawing a charge on the other end Mm. where it's like he's got big Giannis syndrome without any of the other skills (laughs) other than kneeing someone right in the chest who is clearly waiting for you. What do you think that like Jalen McDaniels statistically just like his best case scenario is like if it really hits like 85th percentile. It's not go too crazy. I don't know. I don't know. You answer your own question. I'm thinking something like if he averaged like 12, five and one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, he's not a bad corner three point shooter. He just, he just needs to be a little bit more aggressive. You can tell he's too passive on the court. And I mean, it, to some degree, that's him understanding his role. But like, I think this is the year for him to try to make some noise, you know, try <laughs> try to step out of the I'm a second rounder. I'm the ninth man, et cetera, et cetera. Like nobody cares. Do, do whatever you want, Jalen, this season is what I'm saying. Could you imagine like the devils or like the devil and angel on your shoulder is McDaniels is sitting there in between Cody Martin and Kelly Oubre and Kelly's like, Get in the game, man. Just shoot. Just shoot. Just shoot. <laughs> and Cody's like, know your role. You know, Jalen just has to be so confused. Like, what do I do? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's two opposites. <laughs> it's two opposites in the same position, basically. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Tim, we got we got five players uh, that we're throwing in. Uh, basically, all the second-year players, Tim, might as well be rookies. We got uh, JT Thor, James Booknight, and Kai Jones. They barely played last year under James Borrego, so we we didn't really think that it would be appropriate to talk about like a stat of theirs because it's pretty relevant, small sample size. Um, and then also the two rookies, the two actual rookies, Bryce McGowan's and Mark Williams. We're going to play a game of start, bench, cut, but because it's five players, we're doing start, role player, bench, G League and cut. Tim, who are you starting? I'm starting JT Thor. No, you're not. Wow. Not Mark Williams? That that was what I was on the line with. I literally I had it written out and I I changed it at the last second where I was just I love JT Thor. I just think that if he hits, it could be so good. I even think right now he's an awesome player. And he's younger than Book Knight. He's younger than uh, Mark Williams. I And it's not even just like an age thing. I just think he can actually switch on the perimeter. I think the three-point shot, it's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty bad. 
his offensive game, but I'm tantalized by his defense. I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. Nice. I went with uh James Bucknight, a.k.a. Buck. All right. So Bucknight has been getting a lot of buzz in the uh, preseason. This is the optimistic uh, mark coming out here, Tim, because James Bucknight, in order for this team to be successful, James Bucknight needs to have a good year. And he's the one rookie who's like actually getting playing time with the with the second team, right, with the second unit. According to all reports, he has a great relationship with Steve Clifford. He basically came out and said last year was tough, um, you know, playing under James Brego. I really love Steve Clifford. So for whatever reason, we don't we don't know. James Brego and James Booknight did not get along this year. I think it's going to be different. He was the 11th pick in the draft. He was drafted the highest of any of these players. He was projected to go above that. I still have faith in Book. I wish I could share that optimism, but I like it. I I love I love the quotes. Yeah. I texted you the other day where I was like, I really do want to live in a world where he becomes Steve Clifford's like workhorse. Right. Where like, oh man, Book Knight got forty three minutes again last <laughs> game. Oh, like I do, I do want that world. But uh, all right. I guess not, second, not we're, second, we're both going with Mark Williams then. Yeah, we, yeah, we, but we both have Mark. Even though uh, we have to talk about it, Steve Clifford's been pretty adamant that Nick Richards is his guy for backup. Right. Yeah, I have him. We're going to talk about Nick Richards very briefly after the this group of five. Um, but yeah, Mark Williams. I mean, I hope I hope he's the role player out of these five. Um, but I think that we both are probably wrong. That's not. We're not saying what we expect to happen. We're saying what we hope will happen, or like we're ranking yes. players out of five, basically. Yeah, we're we're ranking on just, you know, 75% what we hope, 25% what we think is realistic. Third, I had JT Thor. So I'm with you that he's up there. Who do you have third, Tim? I have Kai Jones. Oh, come on, man. Come on. All right. He was 0 for 10 from three in a summer league game. He's not Cody Barton. He's going to take 10 threes in a game, no matter how many, much he misses. Were you not watching all the Bahamas basketball? <laughs> this summer <laughs> no oh man all right i just bumped him down to fifth bryce mcgallans is now fourth <laughs> on my list bryce mcgallans is getting g league kai jones is getting cut just because of this blasphemy uh you, you got i don't know man I, he is not he has not shown as much as you've claimed he's not baby honest him it's Ooh, no he's he's way worse <laughs> <laughs> This isn't about my belief in Kai Jones. It's about my just complete lack of the devoid of optimism with James Booknight. Ah, oh, man, that's tough. That's I think I think Booknight's gonna play way more minutes than Kai Jones this season. Like yeah, I, like a thousand more minutes. All right, let's 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 put it right here. If he plays more than five hundred more minutes, I'll buy you a beer. Okay, all right, it's a deal. It's a deal. I'll buy you actually. Five hundred minutes is a deal. Five hundred minutes. I'll buy you a case of right. uh, of Miller Lite. Maybe Miller High Life for my just presence. just Miller Lite. Just Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Yeah, Miller High Life. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Tim and I disagree there. I have I have Kai Jones fourth and Bryce McGowan's fifth. Uh, Bryce is at fifth just because I feel like there's like the least upside of these players. Basically, ooh, I disagree. Really. 
Yeah, I do disagree. I mean, I think that I don't think there's a high chance of the upside hitting. Okay. But I think if it does hit, I think that he could be maybe the best of any of these players. And that's like a 2% chance. It's not a big chance, but just based on, you know, his physicals and his shooting ability, I think that he could definitely jump up. Okay. Did you have him fifth as well? No, I had James Booknight fifth. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. All right. Well, we'll see that minutes disparity this year. Also, when he's, you know, averaging 15 points per game, I'll go ahead and I'll go to a gas station and take a picture with him and you won't be there. All right. No, I'm not. I'm not even trying to be negative. I'm just, you know, I'm just being realistic. There was a reason he fell in the draft. And I think that, you know, he already had, he had the knee issues, let alone off the court issues, which I mean, who doesn't have off the court issues? So I'm not going to bonk him on that but um yeah i just i'm not i'm just not a massive believer i thought that his handle was a little cleaner coming out his his finishing package looks amazing but it's not actually that effective he can't really get by guys and i could i'd be i'd be so happy to just be completely wrong about this i've uh i've just lost hope yeah well tim's a pessimist everybody so uh, just message us on Instagram at Hornets Podcast. Tell Tim he's wrong. He needs to hear it. Uh, he needs he needs some some light in his life. This right, is Tim. definitely going to look it's going to look terrible three weeks into the season. I already know. <laughs> I already know. I'm completely wrong. But going, you know, I'm going with my heart. Dennis Smith Jr. His most efficient shooting season was in eighteen nineteen at forty two point eight percent from the field, which is not good. Can he shoot? That's what matters, Tim. That's what matters for this season. Um, no. I'm gonna ask you, do you remember what you were doing in life in 2018 slash 19? Yeah. Yeah, man. I was having a good time. I was up at NC State having having a good good time. Well, yeah, I was having a good time then too. I just couldn't tell you specifically what I was actually doing. Like so, you're saying, so you're saying that the shooting from that season's irrelevant because that was his best shooting season. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I actually do think as a backup point guard, I think he could be good. I think he, I'm like trying to talk myself into it. Dude, you said he was going to be Ish Smith earlier. You're having, just admit it. You're having like a flashback. I, yeah, well that's, that's why, because we talked about it now. I'm, cause I was high on Ish Smith last year and now I'm like, well, my, my buddy, our buddy, Jeremy, uh, we used to work with at Audubell. Text me. He's like, man, what do you think about it? And I was like, you know, my my heart is saying that, man, he could be like a supercharged, like, you know, backup point guard. Maybe this is like his coming out season. And then like my brain was like, yeah, he's probably going to be just as bad as Ish Smith, but he'll have like two sick fast break dunks. Yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, he went to NC State, which is where I went to school. One of my friends, Alex Ruby, uh, he has two or he has two dennis smith jr jerseys he has one from the knicks and one from when he went to nc state he's a massive knicks fan and uh he's gonna get a third one this year for the charlotte hornets he's followed dsj everywhere he's gone and i know secondhand from alex that it's not gone well okay (laughs) he's like he's like the biggest dennis smith jr fan maybe in the entire world uh but even he'll admit it's not been successful yeah, he's got two Dennis Smith jerseys. He's definitely the biggest fan of the world. Even Dennis Smith Jr.'s dad is like, 
Well, I mean, I got to sign NC State one. Like, I don't really think I needed to do anything more. Do you remember that the uh, the press conference? You like LeBron was going to the free agency, and they they played the Knicks, and you know, this is when he was still on the Cavs, and they were like, "So, man, what do you what do you think about uh, Frank Nilakina?" And he was like, "I mean, he's all right, but man, they could have had Dennis Smith. I mean, that could have been serious." And it's like, no, oh, everyone lost. Everyone right. lost in that party. Listen, that 1%, though, that 1% that he comes in and is just knocking down threes, he would be very good at basketball. Well, here's here's my Dennis Smith stat for you. Do you know what his best uh, you know, season splits, his best full month plus minus was last year? <laughs> no. Negative 6.6. Okay. Is that per game or is that uh overall? That's I guess that's per game. That, There's a yeah, that's 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 yeah. over yeah, that's over uh that's over a fifteen game span. It's not great. It's not great, Tim. <laughs> All right, last up on the list, Nicholas Batum, still getting paid by the Hornets somehow. Shout out to everyone who supports the podcast, Xavier Harvin, Austin Johnson, TC Cunningham, Dan Joseph, and uh Caitlin Furland. Please subscribe to us on Patreon or Winnow. Uh, shout out to our Winnow page. If you subscribe, you will get text updates about the team. Yeah, and absolutely. Thank you to everyone who's taking the time to listen this far into the episode. You are real troopers. Email us or text. You can text my phone number if you have a Dennis Smith Jr. jersey. Let me know. I'll take you out to a bar or something if you are uh, that dedicated. But yeah, thanks for listening. And if you could take the time to rate, review, and subscribe. And um, we're I'm I'm Paul and Audible here. We're doing Media Corner, uh, Camp Cope, How to Socialize and How to Make Friends. One of the best albums to come out of Australia in the last five years. Everyone should check it out. Mean Girls. It was October third yesterday. I watched Mean Girls with uh, my boy Joseph Lamke. Uh, great movie and uh, timeless. Really, a a classic timepiece of the early two thousands. Since uh, since we're already this deep in the episode, you're not going to edit anyway. Um, our our best friend uh, John, yeah. But uh, every day in high school or every every Wednesday, he would wear pink. Is a tribute to Mean Girls. Every Wednesday? and I would was it like every two yeah like Wednesday. Did he actually pink. do that? I swear on my dog's life. That's unbelievable. I thought he just liked pink. Mean Girls is a great. No, movie. I, mean, I mean, it's a great. No, movie. It, it's a real film, Jack. Yeah. All right, man. It's been real. <laughs> it's been real. Be safe out there with Mark. Peace. Peace. Peace.